The primary worry is the everyday ubiquitous algorithms, the kind of algorithms that are already around us. This is a quote from our guest today in the Tech Emergence podcast, Andres Kornai, who teaches at the Buddhist, Budapest Institute of Technology. He's a linguistics PhD from Stanford. And he joins us on the podcast to speak about what he considers to be the real considerations ethically when it comes to artificial intelligence. He's adamant about sort of debunking what he considers to be the Hollywood myth of consciousness uh, arising from artificial intelligence and kind of the Skynet type Terminator scenario and really bringing in ethical thought and consideration around medical algorithms, financial algorithms, algorithms that consider uh, people's credit, uh, self-driving cars, and existing algorithms that exist today that are only going to become more and more a part of our world and why and how those would be of legitimate interest to us as machines start to govern more and more decisions and make more and more decisions on their own. Again, he doesn't really lean in the, the bigger picture, Skynet, strong AI, classic singularity, take over the humans type scenario. In fact, he, he considers that to be not a great uh, threat to us, although some of our other guests have, and tends to want to put a, a stronger emphasis on the near term and what he thinks are going to be the more immediate ethical consequences. So without further ado, we'll delve into those with Andres right now in the episode. So Andres, uh, why don't we start off with uh, the the perspective on is AI safety sort of a relevant concern for us today? I've had other folks uh, on the show who, interestingly enough, have, have gotten uh, computer science or artificial intelligence degrees from Stanford like yourself, uh, PH, fellow PhD folks, who maybe weren't really concerned about AI safety even, even being a relevant consideration for us maybe even in this century, while other folks, obviously, you know, most famously the Nick Bostroms of the world uh, and, and others – really believe that AI safety is a concern that we should really be thinking about uh, vehemently today. Um, which camp do you fall in and why? Uh, I squarely fall in the middle of the, yes, this is a big concern or grave concern camp. And I would like to say a few things uh, uh, as to why. Yeah. First of all, this is not science fiction. This is with us today. Yep. I don't know how much uh, you follow this, uh, how much you follow Wall Street uh, to begin with. Uh, there is program trading, high frequency trading. They are now basically, I would say, 75% of, uh, of the total commerce that is taking place on Wall Street uh, is driven by algorithms. It's no longer driven by humans. So, you know, money matters, actually. Yeah. And, the mere idea that we have given up uh, our human decision-making uh, capabilities in favor of, uh, you know, better algorithms, which are actually, in many senses, uh, senses of the word, better, uh, uh, to pursue this, this means that we have given up a huge area of human competence. It's no longer, uh, you know, please check the actual figures of the proportion of algorithmic trading, and you will you will be actually shocked. This number has gone up for many years now, for gone sure. up uh, 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 pretty steadily, and by now it's the vast majority. Sort of human trading is dying out. Yep. Uh, so money is just one aspect of this. Uh, uh, you know, I myself have designed algorithms that will give you or, uh, or not give you credit. Right, so your credit worthiness is now established by algorithms. These yep. are things that impact your everyday life. You know, there is no longer this this uh, you know uh, friendly neighborhood banker type guy who this uh, can be trusted with a loan. It's going to be an algorithm that makes this decision. 
Yeah. So this this matters to you. Increasingly, we are see, seeing again gradually, and this is a more slow process, but we are uh, seeing already a significant uptick in making medical decisions uh, by algorithms. And I'm not at all opposed to this process. I'm saying that, you know, it's important to, to have the best possible information on, sure. on, on, in the medical world. Sure. But you can see IBM is moving uh, a Watson, you know, the algorithm. Yeah, into the medical that, uh, space. Jeopardy for sure. yep. Into this area. Um, so this is, again, medical is a huge area. I expect uh, the same thing to happen in the legal area fairly soon. And another thing that may happen faster is autonomous vehicles, right? Uh, the vehicles very often have to make, you know, you as a driver have to make uh, quote unquote ethical decisions. Are you going to hit this pedestrian or are you going to crush your car? Of course, you're going to rather crush your car than crush a human being. Uh, however, this is not trivial. Uh, and again, this is going to be an area. Uh, I think I'm not alone in my prediction that that uh, in 10, 15 years, autonomous vehicles will be a big deal. Yep. Uh, I should add here that military technology, you know, uh, the drones for now are generally human controlled, but it doesn't have to be that way. And there is intense research in the sort of, uh, you know, uh, Pentagon world uh, towards autonomous ground vehicles, air vehicles, all this kind of stuff that will work even... Uh, if somebody is trying, uh, is trying to cut off the communication. So um, this is not the future. This is here. All those things that I'm talking about are already sort of, you know, you move to Palo Alto, as you said, you will, and you will encounter, you know, Google's vehicles on, on, on the streets. It's not something out of science fiction. It's going to be a day-to-day -day yeah. experience. And, and Andres, just to, to review, I mean, I, I think most of the folks who are tuned in are probably somewhat familiar with, with a lot of the transitions that you're speaking about. Maybe some people aren't as familiar with what's going on in the medical field. It certainly hasn't permeated every hospital or the majority of decisions, but it's certainly no, sort of yet. aiming to work there. I, I completely understand that. And I think that um, as it does, we, we, we likely will see many a benefit when it's applied properly as, as sort of the whole reason that technology exists for those pragmatic benefits of bettering the yields that we're seeking to yield uh, with or without technology, sort of furthering our ends. Um, some folks would say, okay, you know, uh, machines kind of helping with diagnostics and machines, um, you know, doing some legal research and machines, you know, selling Apple stock at the right time, um, m you know, may be different than, you know, uh, machines that we would really need to be afraid of in some kind of Terminator sense, uh, that that would still be hundreds of years away. Other people think, hey, you know, once machines are really a big part of medical and legal and all these other areas, you know, there will be some kind of united grander intelligence that we, we might have reason to worry uh, about. So you're talking about a lot of the particular applications um, of artificial intelligence, which, which without a doubt are, are of ethical relevance uh, from trading and, and beyond. Um, do, do you see the possibility in, in you know, uh, our lifetimes here of, of a grander kind of intelligence that maybe we should really worry about in the sense that Nick Bostrom talks about it, um, you know, of, of an intelligence that could, you know, consume us, not just make a bad medical decision, but, but really threaten humanity uh, itself. Do you see that as reasonable? Okay, there's two things here. One, I would like to sort of distinguish sort of the robotic uh, experience, if you will, you know, these shining metal bodies, the Terminator, this yeah, kind of yeah, thing yeah. on the one hand, and the AI 
which is really a pure algorithmic thing. It runs typically on a workstation, on mainframe, something, you know, can run even on your laptop. In these days, you can run on your, your cell phone. Yep. Uh, so the algorithms uh, themselves are not capable of hurting people directly. They are very capable of hurting people indirectly. Yep. Like, you know, my algorithm denies your credit. Uh, it's not good for you. Maybe it is good for you because you would be able to have been incapable of <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. back and blah, blah, blah. Who knows, but yeah. on the whole, uh, it is quite possible that, let's say, uh, erroneous functioning of those algorithms, and they are all statistical, so, uh, so a certain amount of error is built in to the very system. Yep. It's true in every corner of AI that uh, uh, the things work on a statistical basis, and they, you know, have errors. Uh, this is not like a word processor. It always does what you, what you want it to do. Even the word processor, you have to fight time and again uh, to get the spelling you really want. But uh, on the whole, uh, you know, that's innocent. That's really, don't, yep. you don't care. But once it comes to money, it comes to health, it comes to uh, your legal standing, um, these things are beginning experience as a pedestrian, uh, this is becoming increasingly serious. And this is very different from, from you know, Terminator uh, coming along. For and, sure, uh, for sure. Humans and yep. I don't know what, cutting them up by laser beams. I don't, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I want to go into that end of the spectrum. I, 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 I think that's uh, more science fictional, uh, primarily because of the state of robotics to some extent lags behind the state of AI. And you can get into a definition game where you say that, well, robotics is part of AI. And I don't want to get into the definition yeah, game. Yeah, me neither, yeah. Uh, so um, I think that our ability to, you know, uh, we can beat, at this point, AI can beat the world's best uh, chess player by far. For sure. They can easily, you know, they are like 300 daily points ahead. Uh, uh, it's amazing the difference between the, the best human player and the best ch uh, or chess program. It, gap is so huge, it's unbelievable. Uh, the world's best table tennis player is very far from being beaten or getting beaten by a, a ping pong table robot. Yeah, that's just not you know. No, 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 no. Yeah, not not even not even close right now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So okay, that was so actually a highly misleading, uh, uh, you know, YouTube video on this by. Kuka, uh, which is one of the makers of, of, of these industrial robots, and how their robot is coming close, but it's 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 uh, completely misleading. Yeah, yeah, I saw I saw I saw the video as well, which I thought was pretty humorous. Um, but it was uh, humorous, but it, it it was based on uh, you know uh, cheating. This was not true at all. No, no, I know. Yeah, it was some kind of special effects <laughs> okay. stuff. Um, so, anyway, that's the state of the art. That in the sort of things that require intelligence and thinking. Uh, the robots are already very, uh, not the robots, the AIs are very, in many ways ahead of us. And in uh, things that require physical world, they are showing steady progress. They are much better, really much, much better than they were 10 years ago. Uh, real military applications are, are uh, becoming possible. You live in the Boston area. Yep. You must be Boston uh, Dynamics. Yep. Boston Dynamics and Big Brought Dog. Up by Google. Those things. Yep. Um, so, so uh, Andres, just to be clear, in, in terms of what kind of a threat a, a, a grand and intelligent AI, you know, let's say it doesn't have a, a robotic form, 
Uh, and again, I think the Terminator thing is, is much more in jest than it is in, in reality, at least at, at present. I don't think Nick Bostrom sees it rolling out like that either. Um, but, uh, but in terms of where, where, where an artificial intelligence would, would pose a threat, do, do you think initially the bigger ethical decisions are around kind of these individual medical or legal algorithms, or do you think the bigger ethical decisions are, uh, are around some kind of a, a larger aggregate pooled artificial intelligence? I think a lot of people are afraid that you know, an intelligence, uh, an, a, an a, you know, strong AI, for, for lack of better terms here, um, may be able to sort of keep itself alive and further its own aims and outsmart human beings. And even if it didn't have a physical form, so long as it could live in a variety of different computers and it could, uh, you know, keep itself going in that respect that, that maybe it would want to. Um, so some people aren't afraid of the Terminator physical form. They're afraid of the intelligence in and of uh, it itself, even without the robotic laser beam choppers and whatever else. D do you see that as, you know, even in the decades ahead, any kind of a legitimate concern or, or you know, within the, the, the foreseeable decades, more of our concerns are around sort of, you know, will the Google uh, self-driving car hit people? Uh, will the medical thing pick up cancer? Uh, you know, do you see it as more kind of mundane ethical concerns or, or do you see a serious ethical concern with an AGI uh, even if it didn't have a physical form, and if if so, why? Okay, so there is another part of the the, the sort of Hollywood myth that I would like to chop off of from this conversation and not deal with this. And this is the sort of quote unquote Skynet coming to life uh, or consciousness uh, part of it. I think this is so hugely misleading. Um, you know, I'm happy to spend a good uh, uh, part of this interview debun debunking it, but yeah, I, no, that's great. I, I, I would much rather not because, uh, uh, you know, if you're willing to take it from me that this is not uh, really uh, the primary worry. The primary worry is everyday ubiquitous algorithms, the kind of algorithms that are already around us. Got it. Uh, posing huge damage. And you may think that, okay, okay, so you have to be uh, and I don't mean, you know, pedestrians having to jump away from uh, from Google cars. That's not <laughs> what I have in mind. Uh, you know, uh, the whole world financial system is such that there is actually a very large number. You know, you must read up on Brexit and this kind of stuff happening there. Imagine a country in which there is youth unemployment is, is, is uh, reaching 50%. So half of the young people simply cannot fit into the fabric of society. Yep. And lazy or anything. It's just that the, the fabric is so constructed uh, that sort of young entrepreneurial people uh, like you uh, don't have much to do and don't have any opportunities to deal with that. Yep. And imagine sort of economic forces uh, being steered one way or another uh, by simple application of you know high frequency trading in a direction that makes productive investment less and less likely, right? Got this it. is an ethical concern. This has nothing to do with laser beams. No, and no, it doesn't. It doesn't. With the future, it is here today. And so I'm, I'm curious. And now I, I, I uh, I'm congenial with what you're articulating. That you know, our, our immediate concerns are about the, the, uh, the influence of these algorithms um, on sort of day to day life. Again, you know, bigger financial picture, bigger medical picture, legal picture. Whatever the case may be, um, you know, there's folks like Elon Musk investing in, in uh, you know, the Future of Life Institute and sort of this, the notions around safe AI and all that. Um, is, is that in your eyes? I'm curious. And, and Bill Gates and, and uh, uh, Stephen Hawking have both articulated their own 
uh, concerns here around more of not exactly the Terminator deal, but but a more intelligent, you know, as you had mentioned, kind of sentient, conscious entity that that then wants to sort of stay alive and outsmart people. Do, do you think that Gates and Hawking are and, and even Musk are maybe being a little bit too sci-fi-ish and, and really are worrying about things that are a little bit unreasonable and that, that maybe they should be buckling down more to, you know, the practical AI that exists today that we know is possible, which is the financial, the medical, et cetera. Do you think that the Future of Life Institute and these other uh, things might be a little bit too preemptive by, you know, 100 years, um, or do you think that they are reasonable? Oh, to the contrary, I think that they are very reasonable. I think that these guys, you know, I wouldn't call them investments in the same sense that these are this is insurance. What we are talking about yeah. is insuring the uh, uh, the future of humanity against stuff. This is not an investment. I don't think that you can uh, uh, gr grow rich on safety other than being an insurance company, right? Yeah. So, uh, in a sense, this is. And they are not approaching it from the uh, sort of business model. No, no, no. It's a non-profit. Yeah. They're making charitable donations. Yep, charitable. Organizations yep. which are absolutely dealing with right concerns. And these concerns are the right concerns, even though uh, sort of the popular explanation, sort of the Hollywood-style popular explanation is not exactly right about this. But the concerns are right. The concerns are valid. These people, you know, Stephen Hawking is not a stupid guy, right? No. Nope. Uh, uh, the, that Elon Musk is not a stupid guy. The whole Bill Gates, uh, you know, Lord knows, is not a stupid guy. These people uh, uh, are seeing uh, what's going on and therefore, uh, you know, doing some far-sighted stuff. But far-sighted is not science fictional. Far-sighted it means that you think ahead, maybe. 10, 15, 25 years, yep. so well within our lifetimes. We are not talking about that will affect our grandchildren. We are talking about that affect us. Yeah, I already said this. It already affects us. Yep. and it will increasingly affect uh, our children and grandchildren. Yeah. Okay, got it. So, so you don't consider what they're doing to be a little bit more sci-fi, as you think that they're somewhat reasonable uh, concerns. Given given that, Andres, I know that some of um, you know your own work has has been in sort of bounded and and safe artificial. Uh, intelligence, um, and that you yourself think a good deal about the future. I'm curious, you know, as a last question for you, as to what, where, where you think AI may be able to take us in the next, let's say, decade. You know, ten years from now, you had mentioned that maybe 15 years, uh, 10 or 15 years, um, driverless cars would be a bigger deal. What kind of a, you know, right now, I think I, I'm I'm of the belief that the world is more aware that AI is a thing. Uh, this is because of uh, fiction, for sure. You know your transcend movies and the rest of those films that are coming out that are a little bit more along these lines. Um, in addition to the fact that people are being recommended books by Amazon, that they're seeing what's up uh, with Google, and uh, you know TechCrunch is always you know popping with these kinds of topics. Artificial intelligence is is certainly uh, more than trending in this in this day and age. You know, it might be reasonable to suppose that in the next 10 uh, years, AI may sort of hit the ground running in other large and, and meaningful ways. Maybe it'll be continuations of, of its influence today. Maybe it'll be entirely different domains. In, in 10 years from now, what sort of a further role do you think AI will be playing in, in society? Where will, we, where will we see a greater AI influence, in your opinion, uh, 10 years out from now? So uh, let me tell you a couple of things about my own research to answer this question. Sure, sure. Uh, oh, this is basically a two-pronged thing that I'm working on, maybe three-pronged, but, but two prongs are sort of standing out. 
at this point. One is I'm working on something called Euclidean automata, uh, which are basically finite state automata that take continuous input. Um, and these automata uh, have the capability, I argue, uh, to model indecision to model the state when you yourself don't know exactly what to, uh, what to do. You are entertaining doubts. This yep. is actually, I think, is very important for the future of AI. Uh, as a human, you represent a very, very high level of intelligence. Basically, in terms of general intelligence, this is the best we got today. Yeah, so yeah. AGI, uh, you know, will have to first catch up with humans before it can, you know, go in a transhumanitarian way. Yep. First, it needs to catch up. And uh, we happen to be so so constructed that we are full of doubts and we don't know what to do. And, you know, we try to, to sort of model our way through. And I think this is no accident. There is a bunch of mathematical reasons why this is not a bad way of approaching things. And I'm trying to build the class of algorithms that is capable of being in, 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 in two minds, if you will. Uh, um, this is uh, generally um, something that gets uh, sort of abstracted away or idealized. In descriptions of AI, people uh, generally concentrate on something. I'm sorry for being technical here, but there, there is something yeah. called the utility function, which is a key portion of the description of AI, that what the AI will do, whatever it finds to be uh, uh, closer to, to its goals and ends up being sort of maximizing the utility function. Yep. And basically, I make the claim that, the, that the, uh, the situation is such that you cannot describe it by a single function. This goes back to some classical work of John von Neumann, a fellow Hungarian who did uh, work on game theory. Uh, he's basically one of the founders of game theory with Oscar Morgenstein and, you know, applied this to economics very early on. Um, we are talking just post-war developments. Yeah. Um, and this utility function is an idealization of something that is more complex. And I'm trying to bring in this more complexity. So, uh, yeah, so that's what you're working on today. I'm sorry? So that's what you're working on uh, today in your that's, own research. That's, that's one thing that I'm working yep. on. And the other thing that I'm working on is this bounded AI. And again, I, 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 I tried to give you an example. Sure. Uh, uh, you go out to, to California, you may, uh, you know, come across the Folsom prison. You know, the Folsom prison had the prison riot yep. back in the 70s. Yep. And, the, and the rioting prisoners wrote a manifesto of their demands. This is actually very interesting reading. Uh, people can look it up in Wikipedia or wherever. Uh, one of the main things that they demanded was the right uh, not to be tear gassed when you are logged into your cell. Okay, so what, what was going coming down was animals and they were basically sadistically tear gassing people who couldn't do anything. You yep. know, usually when you tear gas a crowd, you do it with this for notion safety, that yeah, people for, yep. disperse and go away. Yep. But when you are plugged into your cell, there is nothing you can do. No, you just have right? to take it, yeah. So uh, most of most um, ordinary people would think that this is something that is, you know, uh, cruel and unusual and it's inhumane and we shouldn't even be doing this to animals, let alone to people, yep. right? So there's something wrong here. Now start thinking about what makes this wrong. 
Why do you think that this is wrong? Basically, uh, what I'm working on is a sort of formal mathematical theory that will let you give, uh, give these explanations and can be programmed into a, into a computer, right? So uh, hmm. you, again, I sort of like to give this to people as an exercise. Say, think it through for yourself. What is it uh, that makes it? Well, one thing that is that you have this uh, notion of empathy. You yourself could be in that cell. You as a human, you know that you don't want to be tear gassed. Yep. Therefore, uh, you know, uh, you don't want... Uh, but suppose this AI is coming along, right? The AI is coming along and may think of you as not, not having empathy or sympathy towards you. You know, it's like as far as they are concerned, it's you are like ants uh, on the property and you don't want these ants to, to eat up your, uh, your, your, uh, your flower beds or whatever the case may be. Yep. Yep. And yep. end of story, right? Yep. So, so there has to be something thing, uh, that explains the difference between the two cases. And this is the kind of formal ethical theory that I'm working on. Got and it. I don't see this as having immediate relevance. It's not like, you know, uh, day after tomorrow, every, you know, Google autonomous vehicle has <laughs> yeah, to come, yeah, with yeah, a, yeah. come with a software blog that does this. Yep. Right? Okay. So, okay. So that's, that's what you're working on today. Uh, you know, we can presume, uh, and it's, it's, you know, nice to know that there are folks cracking away uh, at this nut. Uh, we can presume that at some point, you know, in the medical domain, in, in the legal domain, whatever the case may be, um, you know, machines will be making decisions that we would, we would maybe like, and, you know, who knows for sure, but that we would maybe like to factor in uh, some semblance of empathy and some recognition of the sentience and, and worth of, of other living things, um, and that it's possible, uh, you know, in terms of the work that you're working on theoretically, uh, to be able to uh, uh, make those sort of ethical and moral decisions based on um, some some semblance of programming and and algorithms that that might be integrated into these decision making processes. Right. Got it. Okay. Um, in terms of now, as you had mentioned, that might not really be hitting the ground running um, tomorrow. In terms of your notions around, you know, in ten years from now, the average person walking around in Boston, walking around in California, walking around in Texas, um, uh, where, where will they notice the increased involvement of artificial intelligence? Where, you know, in 10 years from now, do you, do you foresee um, self-driving cars as, as possibly being more prevalent than people-driven cars? Do you foresee um, you know, maybe closer to 98% of the financial trades being done by machines. And, and, and those are just areas we've already talked about. Where do you see AI really sort of hitting the ground running more than it is today um, in the future 10 years, 10 years out from now? Okay, a certain number of those things are not in um, technological bind. They are in a legal bind. So when Got I'm... Uh, you know, the, the effective bound on Tesla at this point, you know, just the, the electronic cars, is that they don't let uh, the guy uh, sell long distance. They insist that he opens up a showroom in every state. Basically, there are incumbents, the, the uh, pre-existing car dealerships, that they don't want to compete with, uh, with Elon Musk and Tesla, right? No, no, okay. he's, he's smarter so, than those guys. So there is legal... Uh, legal constraints put he, put in his his, his way. That's and we see yep. the same thing with uh, all kind of new technology. No, exactly. Something I mean, it was the same like for Henry Uber. Ford back Everybody in the day. Everybody's using Uber, right? Yep. Uber is a is a reasonable thing. Oh, it's fantastic. Never see 
uh, you know, country after country, especially here in Europe, uh, you know, legislature after legislature, putting up all kinds of anti-Uber laws to protect the incumbents. So I expect a lot of this to happen, and I especially uh, expect a lot of this to happen in terms of autonomous vehicles. Wow, yeah, no, you're right, you're right. The task here is truck drivers, right? There's more than a million of them in the U.S. First of all, we will have a million unemployed people. Second of all, you have, you know, truck utilizations going from, you know, eight hours or ten hours driving a day to 24, especially, you know, on the road all the time when they are not loading or unloading. Yep. So the whole economy is going to shift and the incumbents, they don't want it. <laughs> no, no, of, co of course they don't. Hey, I mean, everybody's going to protect their own interests, right? I mean, so that's right. So, so that's interesting. Okay. Bounds yeah. here are legal in a lot of uh, areas, uh, uh, you know. Uh, Wall Street knows how to, to put legislators in its pockets. Therefore, we have high-frequency trading and a totally sort of legally very, very thinly regulated uh, sort of playground uh, for finance. Yeah. You know, um, sorry for being cynical about No, no, that's – hey, it is, it, is, it is what it is. I'm not I'm – not I, I don't know the field well enough to make my own opinion, but I'm always happy to have people share theirs. So, so check out about legislation. And, and uh, in the medical domain, uh, there is huge forces on both sides because most doctors tend to be very highly ethical and they want to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and the medical domain is more conservative. Yep. Um, so – I expect uh, sort of the, the the spread of AI in medical uh, as uh, being much slower. I don't expect any sort of runaway tendency in any of these areas that we were talking about. Mm. Uh, I expect slow, steady change, and I do expect changes from ubiquitous communications to overwhelm these for a mo for the moment. The biggest societal change in the past twenty years was the introduction of cell phones. Basically, everybody can reach everybody at any time. Yes. Uh, you know, and this is huge. This is the, basically the new generation that's growing up is practically attached to their cell phones, mm -hmm. uh, right? So yeah. uh, the, the, the difference is so huge between everything that went down for, you know, tens of thousands of years of civilization and what's happening today that was a huge watershed, and we're already past it. This already happened, except for you know certain unlucky corners of the third world. This is a done deal. Yep, it's a done right? deal. I like it. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, and I, I, I think that in the meantime, a lot happened in AI and robotics. But this communications change has overwhelmed that entirely. It's not visible it's not becoming visible and it's subtle things it's like saying you you know amazon does stuff but amazon recommends you new products and new books and whatever and these algorithms yep. uh, that amazon is using to you know to to gauge your tastes and and figure out your your preferences this is the kind of thing i work on when yep. i work, don't work on safe ai right got it so, so just <laughs> out, of, out of curiosity just because i know we're a little short on time andres I, I i i appreciate you bringing up this concern about um, or I should say this factor of legal being the bigger bounding factor than uh, technological limits um, in terms of the adoption and widespread use of this artificial intelligence. Where, where do you maybe see the least amount of legal pushback in terms of AI application? Do you just see that being 
more so and more so in, in finance? Are there any other places where you see maybe a little bit less um, grinding, halting with respect to you know legal barriers for, for AI's application in the next 10 years? Anywhere else where, where you think there might be less of a fight? The business world primarily, it's much easier now to start a company, to sell a company. Uh, you know, uh, companies are in increasingly recognized as legal entities. Yep. Uh, uh, this is, you know, Supreme Court decision in this, this, this direction. And companies will be increasingly driven by AI. They will be less and less driven by humans. Since, you know, Bill Gates may still be, actually, he's, uh, you know, stepped off from, from, uh, from Microsoft, driving Microsoft. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, what you see is first there is a committee, there is a board, there is, you know, some kind of distributed, uh, um, I don't know, gray goo at the top of <laughs> yeah, the yeah, management yeah. chain. Yep. And eventually, AI will play a bigger and bigger and bigger role right in there, right in the boardroom. I see this as happening. There's nobody going to be against it because everybody sees this as a competitive ah, advantage. Yes. Uh, uh, and this may not uh, be even very visible to the men on the street, but it's going to be very visible in the Fortune 500 world. Interesting. Okay, I, I, I like that, and, and I like the notion. I think it's an interesting note to chew on for the folks who are tuned in, um, that although there may be massive legal pushback in, in large established domains with big incumbents, as new companies start to come up in the game and they, they work on the processes within their own companies, the innovation won't really have those same hindrances. And so a lot of those breakthroughs, you know, not surprisingly, but interesting to think about, may come from, you know, within the, the business sector as these companies are coming up in the game. And, and right off the bat, they have nobody to fight them. You know, in, inside your own company, there's no government saying, oh, you can't replace that programmer, uh, you know, because we have taxi drivers. You know, there's nobody who's going to uh, to kind of duke it out with you on that. So I think that that's an interesting point to make. Andres, I really appreciate you sharing your insights. I know we're, we're just about on time here. Um, let me ask you this, because this is one of the, the more relevant uh, questions I ask any of our guests. Um, we'll certainly be linking back to your own homepage uh, in, in the article that we have up once this podcast is published. I'm curious, you know, if there's people tuned in right now, and I know there are, who are interested in AI, the developments in AI, and really understanding this field and sort of its own progress, um, where are the places on the web that you think are credible in terms of learning and researching about AI? I mean, people can just go on TechCrunch and read any article, but maybe not all of those are really the most reputable or, or the most in-depth. Um, you know, for the general educated public, what do you think are, are reputable sources for, for learning about AI and, and understanding where it's headed? Wikipedia is generally very good. Oh, not bad. Uh, it's increasingly good, so I'm, I'm in favor of Wikipedia. Cool. Um, uh, it's reliable. It's not always sort of giving the latest and greatest, but often it does. Um, there is no, and also it keeps up with the times in ways that other other uh, things don't. Uh, the general educated public uh, is going to have an increasingly hard time in the sense that they need to read the sort of frontier research papers. Which is so tougher, that, yeah, it's tougher to do, right? <laughs> That's what I really like to advise everybody to 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 uh, read the actual research papers. Don't read, uh, you know, the versions that are put out by by I don't know university public creations departments. Yeah. Uh, go to the source. I always advise go to the source, read the papers. A lot of these conferences, almost all of the major conferences now have open websites. Uh, 
Um, you can go to the website, you can see not just the papers, but you can see the referee reports on them. Um, so you can learn a, a lot from, from just sort of uh, follow the actually accessible technical developments. And, uh, scientific publishing was one of these areas that was hugely affected by the changes that it used to be that you had to go to the library and spend half an hour just to locate the volume that you were interested in. This is all gone. Yep. You can just, you know, from the uh, privacy of your browser, uh, you can you can look at everything, um, study the source, Luke. Yep. Study the source, indeed. Uh, and, yeah. and in terms of the, the conferences and, and papers that you like, you know, I'm not familiar with every AI conference. I know that there's an AGI conference that I believe is in Berlin coming up at the end of this month. I, I know that there's the AAAI, which is an organization. Um, any particular uh, sources or, or journals that, that you like and respect and might be fun to look up for the people tuned in? Um, uh, I really recommend for, you know, my primary area is natural language processing. Yep. And there is something called the Association for Computational Linguistics, the ACL to aclweb.org got it and you basically find an online record of uh, all the relevant conferences this is now slightly overstated there's like emnlp empirical methods in natural language processing uh there are some other related conferences but i like the acl conferences because that's uh, uh mainly the the area where i'm working at uh mm -hmm. uh somewhat oh, yeah, yeah. outdated organization, you know, the Institute for Electronics and Electrical Engineers, IEEE, yep. is a professional uh, organization, uh, yeah. organization for WE types. They put out a bunch of very high uh, um, quality uh, um, uh, monthlies. And yep. I particularly uh, recommend PAMI. This is Pattern Analysis and Machine Intelligence. They have sort of, this is a monthly transaction. And the ACM, the Association for Computing Machinery, that has very high quality conferences and meetings. Now, unfortunately, both IEEE and ACM still have a paywall. So yep, it's a yep. little harder to get to this, but it's not as hard as people think because essentially all these papers are either up there on archive or up on the author's own website. So I keep all my papers on my own website, why not? Uh, so you can get them. Don't be, you know, afraid of this paywall. You can go around it. Got it. Okay. So, and I like that. That's good, fruitful advice. If you see an article on the IEEE that you can only read the first two paragraphs of, you can always look up the author. And as Andres is, is mentioning, um, you might, you may very well just be able to find that article listed on their own site. So, thank you for that, Andres. I, I think that sure. anything that helps other folks do homework, and, and I'm, I'm as big a proponent as anybody else of doing your own homework, uh, but where to get that homework done, I think, is a curious question, and I appreciate you sharing some of uh, your recommendations there. Andres, thank you so much for being here on the Tech Emergence podcast today. Oh, you're very welcome. And that wraps up this episode on the Tech Emergence Podcast. Thanks for being here. And remember to subscribe on iTunes to stay on top of the latest news breaks, researcher perspectives, and entrepreneur interviews in artificial intelligence, neurotechnology, 
and more. And we want to hear from you as well, so be sure to leave a review on iTunes, which are always appreciated, or contact us directly at info at techemergence.com. And remember, all of our entrepreneur interviews and interviews with top researchers from around the world, from Stanford to Oxford and beyond, can be found right on our main site at techemergence.com. Remember to sign up for the newsletter while you're there. So with the best of intentions for a brilliant future, this is Dan Figella signing off, and I'll see you next week.